double fries, no slaw. This is a, a little bit of a somber episode. We'll get to that a little bit later, but your host, TJ Pittenger, uh, alongside Richie Barnes and Freddie Stevenson. Um, an 0-1 episode, so not, not the most fun, but how are you guys doing tonight outside of that? How you doing, Richie? I'm 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 doing good. Hey, I woke up to see another day on Blitz. Hey, I woke up. I, I got to watch some NFL football today. I didn't get the result I wanted there either. But at the end of the day, 2020's not been great to anybody. We're here. We all woke up. We have football going on. I can't complain. I'm happy with life right now. Yeah, so we are going to get into a little bit, uh well, a lot of bit about Florida State's. Uh, season opening loss against uh, Georgia Tech over the weekend here in a little bit. But first, want to make sure that we mention that Double Fries No Saw is brought to you by Guthrie's in Tallahassee. Um, you can visit both of their locations, 2550 uh, North Monroe Street and 1818 West Tennessee Street. Uh, I saw Andy Staples was in Tallahassee yesterday covering the game. Hopefully he stopped by and got him a um a box a double fries no slaw box if you go to guthrie's anywhere i see they're kind of all over there in alabama there's a few in florida um there's one in atlanta there's a couple more in georgia there's some in ohio kentucky if you are anywhere near a guthrie's tag us in a picture of it on any social media and i will mail you a double fries no slaw sticker i've got some over here under my daughter's million princess dresses but i will mail you one and uh, tag us in that, uh, but don't get coleslaw if you're going to tag us in it. It has to be double fries, no slaw. So um, we have a great guest tonight. We'll get into a bunch of other stuff later, but I want to go ahead and bring him on. Um, I won't do this introduction justice at all, um, but just an absolute FSU legend, a, a guy that is smarter than all of us put together, a Rhodes Scholar, uh, Myron Roll. Myron, how you doing tonight? Doing well. How are you? Very good, man. We really appreciate your time and, and hanging out with us. I know you've we talked about a little bit off air. You've got a kind of a million things going on and, and I know you're busy, but appreciate you taking the, the time to chat with us tonight. Um let's talk about um let's talk about anything but the game that I, I know you said you watched um on Saturday. That's why we're starting with you. Start with the good news and then we'll talk about Georgia Tech later. Um we talked a little bit off the air. You uh, currently right now, you are in a global neurosurgery fellow at Harvard. Um, tell us a little bit about that. What's what's going on there? Yeah, so I'm um, currently, um, you know, a, a resident in neurosurgery at Mass General Hospital, uh, Harvard Medical School. And through our seven year residency, we have uh, a bit of a break to do research. And a lot of my Colleagues will do bench research, lab research on you know mice, dissecting you know different parts of the brain and trying to advance the discipline through um, you know basic science. But for me, I've always been interested in global health, and I found this global neurosurgery fellowship at, at Harvard, where I'm able to uh, travel to different parts of the world and help develop the neurosurgical infrastructure in very marginalized, um, underdeveloped countries uh, around the world. In particular, I'm from the Bahamas, so I have a keen interest in the Caribbean, uh, developing their surgical capacity 
uh, you know, dealing with things as far as workforce development, getting more neurosurgeons sort of made in that region, uh, developing their capacity to handle neurosurgical cases. So more operating rooms, more bed spaces, uh, getting the perioperative nursing uh, up to up to snuff, uh, getting equipment down there that's uh, more advanced and technologically sound so they're able to do more uh, complex cases rather than sending um, some of their cases to Fort Lauderdale or Miami where it becomes cumbersome and expensive for patients. So there's a lot of sort of building of the neurosurgical microenvironment in these developing parts of the world. And uh, I'm able to sort of expand on my passion uh, at, at this particular moment. I'm very excited about it. And uh, it's been it's been a great fellowship so far. How long does that last? How long do you do? You do is it just a year or is it longer? I know a lot of fellowships in yeah, the so field are a year. Mine's, uh, mine's two years. And uh, and so right now with COVID, you know, everything is pretty much remote and virtual. Uh, right now it's about developing relationships with the United Nations, World Health Organization, different regional blocks of health societies, uh, different ministries of health. Uh, and then uh, next year, uh, starting of July, 2021, I'll actually be able to travel and get down to some of these places. I'm going to Uganda for about uh, five months in Sub-Saharan Africa. And then, as I mentioned, going back to the Caribbean to help my home region. So very exciting stuff so, uh, down the pipeline. Yeah, so Myron, awesome. Myron, obviously, man, th this pandemic just took the entire globe by storm out of nowhere. Um, how has your day-to-day -day life changed during this pandemic? Because obviously you're going through, the, through your residency now, but I have to imagine that it, it looks a lot different since, you know, January than it did, you know, maybe six weeks ago. Oh, man, unbelievable. Uh, so I, I started residency at, at Mass General in Boston to uh, to do brain and spine and you know, try to fix some very um, challenging uh, pathologies. And when COVID hit, uh, our hospital was was hit very hard. Boston, New York, New Jersey, as you remember, was, were, were one of the hotspots. And so we really transformed our whole hospital. Our ICUs uh, were full of COVID-19 patients. Our neurosurgical floors, where we would send our post-operative patients, turn into a COVID-only floor. Uh, our elective cases were canceled. We started to do a skeleton crew at the hospital and didn't allow any visitors in. Uh, our um, outpatient clinics were done now virtually where we would have to call our patients and say, hey, your CAT scan looked okay. We're gonna wait another four or five months for your brain tumor to take it out because COVID is going crazy here at this hospital. So it was unbelievable. I had to manage a couple COVID-19 patients. Matter of fact, I operated on a guy, young man who had COVID-19 as well as he had AIDS and he also had uh, cryptococcal meningitis. So I had to do all of that in, in one guy and uh, it was an unbelievable experience. I actually operated on three people with COVID, but that one was uh, one that really stood out to me because he was um, very, very sick. But, you know, it's um, it's really transformed everything. Uh, it has really made virtual sort of connections sort of the thing. Um, the benefit, honestly, from it has been that uh, I've been able to sort of get away from the hospital a little bit at times and get to see my wife, who's a pediatric dentist uh, at UAB in Birmingham, Alabama. And so when I'm not needed in Boston, I'm able to sort of get down to Alabama, see her, spend time with her, and uh, and really sort of um, just be uh, be a little bit more um, dedicated to my family. So uh, it's, it's had its pluses and minuses, but it certainly has rocked the medical community and obviously has rocked the regular community um, you know, on, on its, on its heels. Okay. So, um, I got a question. I kind of talked to you about it earlier when we hopped on as athletes, we constantly hear about how this career in the professional football league is, doesn't last long. Um, me, I had a short stint and I know you, you went on to do your thing you're doing now. 
how important is it for these guys to set themselves up for success in life outside of football? Because I'm constantly preaching this to people. And we always, like me personally, I was always the guy when they came in and they talked to me, they would say, okay, three years, and you may not even get that. Not, I'm different. I'm different. I'm going to play 10, 15 years. Um, kind of talk to these guys about how important that is. A lot of guys don't really understand that this is a small part of your life. So even if you do have the opportunity to play a long time, you still got a long amount of time to live if you're fortunate. So these guys really got to understand that they got to take life off the ball more serious than they are taking it right now. Yeah, no, Freddie, I appreciate that, man. And and I just wanted to say on on air and on camera that uh, I'm very proud of you, uh, everything that you've done, uh, what you represent. I remember watching you ball and, uh, you know, we didn't play at the same time. I'm older than you, but uh, I always remember how consistent you were, uh, how I knew when you got the rock, it was like, okay, not fumbling. He's getting positive yards. He's going to ball. He, he's got his alignment assignment down and uh, just reliable, man. Just a great teammate, and uh, everyone loves you, and uh, and I do as well. So very proud of you, brother, and, um, sure you know, and thank, thank, thank for having me on this too. But, um, you know, I, I think, honestly, Freddie, um, you know, the idea of connecting what we do every single day as athletes, student athletes, um, to what you can do once you finish playing, I think is something that has been missed or at least underappreciated, right? So I tell student athletes all the time, your development as a, a football player, basketball player, swimmer, track star, tennis player, golfer, whatever, your development gives you the requisite design to be a great leader in whatever discipline it is that you choose, whatever thing you're passionate about. So what I mean by that is when you're in the weight room, the, the locker room, the practice field, the game field, whatever, you are developing discipline, focus, hard work, teamwork, communication, taking constructive criticism, mitigating pressure, knowing how to be flexible and adaptable. You're doing all these things all the time. And it just happens naturally to you because you're a gifted athlete as you were. Um, and, and it's just like this, these traits are so valued in the workforce, so valued in corporate America, so valued in education, in law, in business, in medicine, like I'm in now that I have my bosses telling me, hey, I'd love to get a football player all the time. I'd love to have a football player come be a doctor, come be a nurse, come be a physician assistant, come work in, in the health space because they know that they're gonna be reliable, consistent, just like you were on that field all the time. They're gonna have that focus. They're gonna be able to you know, shed away distractions and get the job done. And so you know, I, I think the important thing is to hone in on some of these aspects that you've already built inside and developed inside you your corporal material body all your life as an athlete and and use the networks that you have. I think another thing that we are, um, you know, short ourselves on is, um, you know, building those relationships. When you're in college, I mean, in Florida State, you have the capital right there. You have people who are football fans who love you. You have, you know, boosters. You have, you know, other people in the athletic department. You have a build a, a bright and, and, and really budding university that has all sorts of people that are willing to sort of help. But if you don't Get outside of your comfort zone, outside of that bubble to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm Myron Roll. Uh, I'm interested in medicine. You know, is there anything, any way that we can connect or any way that I can sort of, you know, sort of advance my career, you know, using this relationship? And they would be more than happy to help you. It's just about you getting outside of, hey, man, I'm a baller. I can do it on my own. I can get it done. It's just about reaching out for those networks. That is so vitally important. We're, we're very like in a silo. We operate on our own because 
our whole life, we've been able to sort of get the job done just with hard work and doing it on our own. But when you get out in the world, you're going to need people to sort of open those doors for you. And once those doors are open, you kick that thing through, you run through it and you show that you belong there. So uh, I think those are a couple of the, the thoughts that come to my mind immediately when I think about the transition from being a student athlete to being um, you know, a leader in the regular community. Yeah, you kind of touched on it in your um, answer just then, but um, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on this because I see it oftentimes, like you said, football players are just guys and athletes in general. The grind they have to go through, so many different employers look for people like that because they know the discipline that it takes to be successful at that high level. You can't find guys like that anywhere. And I feel like a lot of these guys, they limit themselves after their playing career because they all they think about is ball. You're retired. And all you think about is I still want to play. I still want to play. And you're living so much in the past that you can't move forward. You're limiting your opportunities. Um, what, do you, what can you say to these guys? Because I see it all the time. I'll be talking to friends. Their career ended three years ago, and they're still constantly thinking about, I just need another opportunity. And they're limiting the opportunities that are in front of them and passing up so many more. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's a great question. I think that, you know, my advice to those gentlemen would be, um, to read, uh, to expose yourself, uh, to start being active with your career. Just as you were active about trying to figure out how to cover this, you know, corner route, just as you were active about how to get your hands in the right position to catch this pass or to line up appropriately so that you're able to get to the deep half, you know, if you're playing cover two, you know, you've done all these things uh, necessary to figure out what it is I need to do next. And if you want to be um, a, a valuable member of the community and, and uh, you want to, you know, have a life for yourself, uh, and develop uh, yourself as an inspiration for your community. People who look up to you wants to say, you know what? He finished playing ball, but he was more than just an athlete. When he took off his helmet, his identity didn't stop. Once he finished playing, he was able to still be valuable, still be a difference maker and a game changer in the game of life. I think it's about being active with how you uh, how you you follow uh, your passions and how you even expose yourself to passions. I always say, man, I, you know, the exposure is the key to uh, to sort of enlightening yourself and advancing forward, you know, whether it be getting on Twitter, this very social media driven uh, uh, life that we have and and finding, um, you know, something in business or, or in education or even in the sport uh, that really piques your interest, whether it be talking to former players, talking to your former coaches, maybe your academic counselors that you had a good relationship with and just asking them about, you know, different opportunities that are out there and that could use your skill set. Uh, you know, at this point, it's not about being bashful. It's not about, you know, sort of saying, you know, I'll wait for things to drop in my lap. It's about really, really taking the initiative and saying, I have something to offer and I am a talented individual uh, and there's people who want to help me. But there's a bridge that needs to be um, needs, needs to be created and needs to be overcome in order for that to happen. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think it starts with sort of the personal responsibility and personal initiative to say I'm more than just a player. I'm more than just what my number said or my, or my helmet had me on. Um, and uh, just to, to go forward with it, I, I, I think there's a lot of guys who can do valuable and amazing work in the community, but just haven't tapped into their potential just yet. I got one last question and I'll pass it over to the guys. I know you hear this all the time. How um, difficult was it to forego the draft that year and go on to Oxford? I know you were highly rated that year and this is your lifelong dream, but you, you, forgo, you went on to go to Oxford and later, the next year you went to the NFL, but your draft, your stock kind of dropped a little bit. How difficult was that decision? Well, Freddie, it was tough, man. I mean, it was very hard. Um, 
you know, you and I and others, you know, we go to Florida State because, uh, you know, we got great coaching and an opportunity to play professional football. Uh, coming out of high school in New Jersey, um, you know, I was getting recruited by Harvard, Princeton, Dartmouth, Yale, Penn, all the Ivies, um, and obviously all the major Division One colleges too. And a lot of my classmates and, and coaches were saying, you know, why don't you go to an Ivy League school? I said, well, I don't want to play on local New Jersey State, um, you know, TV. I want to play on ABC primetime, man, you know, and uh, <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to get to the league. Uh, Penn State wasn't that good at that point. Rutgers was sort of coming up. They had Ray Rice and Justin Leonard and the McCourty Twins, Kenny Britt, uh, but nothing like FSU. And my cousin Samari Roll played at Florida State. So, you know, I had that pedigree there as well. And so when I had the opportunity to get drafted, uh, oh, for, let me back up. I When I came out of high school, I knew that I was only going to play three years in, in, at Florida State. And that sound may sound like a little cocky, but I said, look, I'm the number one player coming out of Jersey. I said, I'm only playing three years. I'm going to get my degree and I'm out. I'm gone. And frankly, this is something that a lot of people don't know. I heard a guy from uh, University of Washington say that on his recruiting trip. And I thought that was very a very boss statement. I said, man, that's a very bold to say you're only playing here for three years. It was a guy named, uh, I think, Reggie Williams. I, 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 he played for the Jaguars. I believe that's his name. Um, he uh, was a wide receiver. And I said, okay, I'm playing for three years, get my degree, getting out. And um, when all these things started to happen, got my degree, you know, won a road scholarship. I said, I'm getting out. I'm going to go to the league. But there was a conflict in that I could not delay the road scholarship and go to the league first. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the NFL, play my, you know, eight years, whatever, how long I play, God spare life. And then I go back to Oxford. Well, the Rhodes Committee in England said, no, no, you can't do that. You either take it now or you don't get it. And so it became a very tough choice, man. Um I said, I'm going to give up millions of dollars. I'm going to give up a draft spot. These NFL teams are going to think I'm not serious about football. Um, they're going to think I quit on my team. They're going to think that, you know, I'm more interested in academics and than uh, athletics. All of these things went through my head. But at the end of the day, looking at where I'm at now as, you know, a neurosurgeon um, trying to operate on, on kids around the world, I think it was the, the right choice. Because when I look at people who see my story, they draw inspiration from it and say, you know what, you chose academics over athletics, you chose education, which can last you for a long time over the fast money or the high draft pick of the National Football League. And plus, I got my taste of the NFL, got there, you know, able to say that I was able to uh, join, you know, a team and, and be a part of it. But um, it was a tough choice. At the end of the day, I think I made the right choice. And not so much for me, but more so for the people looking at my story and saying, I can do exactly what Myron Roll did. He is somebody who I can use as an example of where I want to go in life. And uh, I thought that was amazing. No doubt, much respect. And Iron Man, like how difficult was that? Because I know you're aware, um, you know, you received criticism from, uh, you know, the fan base or, or whoever about taking academics more seriously than football, which is something you wouldn't think. But, you know, as the, a rabid fan base, they want to win football games. Um, and that's what they care about most. And it is what it is. And you kind of, you know, you, you took football very seriously, but you also made it clear, I'm at Florida State to study. You know, playing football, is a, it's it's a bonus. It's, it's a great, it, it got you there. Um, you could have gone anywhere with that. But to, to know, and you, I'm sure you had friends and other people saying, man, like, you really need to put more focus on football because this could be your future. But I think, like you mentioned, your story, you, you put academics first, and that could be an inspiration to a, you know, a 16, 17-year-old kid who says, no, my only way out is football. Maybe that's not the case for them. Maybe they do have other ways out. But how difficult was that? Did you hear a lot of that criticism or that noise in the background about, man, this guy, he, he could be, you know, a, a top 10 pick if he focused on football, but 
he cares too much about his studies. You know, how difficult was that? Yeah, it, it was very difficult because, uh, you know, you, you think that being a, a student athlete or doing well in school was sort of uh, put on you ever since you were younger. It's always got to get your grades, got to get your grades. And then when you do it on a level that maybe is higher than, <laughs> than they expect or maybe than they've ever seen, then it's like, oh, pull it back, pull it back. You're doing too much. You know, you're listening to organic chemistry tapes too much. You're, you know, trying to be involved in too many other extracurriculars. Uh, but for me, it was like, man, once I got a taste of how knowledge, education, how involvement in the community, how being uh, a citizen of the world, having a breadth of talent and a breadth of skills, how developing networks and relationships, how being altruistic and having a, a, a sincere care for the marginalized communities around the world and around the country. Once I got a taste of what that felt like and how I knew that that experience and, and those developing sort of moments felt the same as getting an interception on the field or making a big tackle, I said, no, this, this has got to be a parallel road. This can't be one versus the other. It's not a one plan or a two plan. This is a one A and one B. It's like they're, they're they're working right in concert with each other. And so I became sort of stubborn in a way to say, look, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. And, uh, you know, we're not going to sort of uh, pigeonhole ourselves uh, or compartmentalize ourselves just to to doing one thing. There's, there's an opportunity to do more. Um, and if I end up being the pioneer or maybe um, the trailblazer for this sort of pathway, then you know, so be it. And if it requires me to sacrifice something or, you know, to forgive, forgo something, uh, then I'll do it because I feel that uh, our community, as you see now, uh, requires people who want to be leaders, want to make bold decisions, want to be in a position where they may be criticized or may be a little bit vulnerable, who step outside the box and say, you know, here we are. Uh, and, and here's something that I'm passionate about. And I'm going to lead uh, through, you know, my myopia and uh, through the skills that I've developed in my life. And I think football was a part of that, but education was a part of that as well. Extracurricular activities was a part of that. Community development and community service was a part of that. All of these things help, uh, I, I think, make me the leader who I am today, the man who I am, the father who I am. And, uh, and I don't uh, regret those decisions whatsoever. Yeah, man. I, and I think the perfect example of that, it, I, we go back to I believe it's your final year at Florida State where you're interviewing for the Rhodes Scholarship. Was it in Alabama? I'm pretty sure. Or somewhere yeah, right here in the Southeast. Alabama. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the NCAA gives you a, a special waiver to take a private plane up to Maryland to play in that game. The defense pitches a shutout. Um, and that's had to be the coolest feeling because it, it wasn't the, the best season, but that game was awesome. And I can't imagine having to wake up in the morning go do something, interview for something as prestigious as a Rhodes Scholarship, go play in a, a conference football game um, in a, the you know, other side of the coast on, the, on that same night. So that, you know, you tell your story and I, I just think of that, how all that happened. And looking back now, because that was, you know, what, 10, 12 years ago or so that, what, what do you think of that night now and kind of it's where it brought you to through life from there? Yeah, it was an amazing night. I mean, I, I, I knew uh, that it was going to be a conflict when I got the uh, invitation to be a finalist for a Rose Scholarship and interview in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, I was one of the, um, you know, I think 16 or so people who interviewed in that Southeast region. Uh, but then also we we're playing University of Maryland and it was a very important conference game. Um, once I got permission from the NCAA to sort of do both things, once I got permission from Coach Bowden to be able to, you know, uh, miss a couple meetings and miss half of the game, uh, my focus was completely on securing that scholarship. I had my teammates praying for me. Uh, Clint Purvis was our uh, team chaplain. 
you know, he called me and was praying for me. I had so much people uh, pulling for me. And I tell this to a couple of friends who asked me how it felt that day. I felt like I couldn't lose. I know that sounds, again, it sounds maybe a little bit elitist, but I just felt like I had so much power behind me through my friends and teammates and my brothers who didn't know anything about the Rose Scholarship. I had a, you, know, you guys know Nigel Bradham. Nigel played with me. And uh, I remember he texted me and, and misspelled the word Rhodes Scholarship, right? He spelled it almost like the roads that you would have you drive on, not Cecil Rhodes. And he wouldn't know that. I mean, why would he know about the scholarship or how to spell this gentleman's name? Uh, but he texted me and said, hey, man, it's like, go get that thing. And for someone from Wakulla, Crawfordville, you know, who had no idea about a Rhodes Scholarship before, but loved me as a teammate, loved me as a brother, pulled for me, prayed for me personally reached out to make sure that I was doing my thing. And there was several other players who did the same thing. I felt like I couldn't lose that day. I had, I had the power and the backing of my teammates, my boys uh, to go do what I had to do. And I interviewed, uh, thankfully by the grace of God, everything went well. Um, got quickly on a plane, got up to Maryland, got to the game around the second quarter. We were end up, we were trouncing Maryland. So they didn't really need me, but got into the game and, and uh, you know, everything went well. It was a victory for, our university, a victory for my family, a victory for student athletes around the country, a victory for my hometown, my home country, the Bahamas, too. You know, it was a, a very special night, one that I'll never forget. Taking it back, um, I still, I, I'm sure you've seen it, but the, uh, like, there's a YouTube clip that somebody took from the stands with you running back out of the field. I mean, it's like terrible video because, you know, we didn't have iPads for phones back then. So it's like all shaky and like the quality's terrible, even like 12 years ago. But, um, everybody like starts cheering and stuff because they knew what you were doing. So yeah, it meant a lot. I mean, it just meant a lot to us as fans too, right? Like not, you know, just to know like, and, and, and be able to be proud of somebody for somebody that was just doing somebody, something so momentous. So um, yeah, that video is cool. I'll, I'll tweet it out later if, if you're listening to this and, and haven't seen that video of Myron running back on at Maryland, but uh, taking it, taking it to the field or staying on the field there. Um, what were so what were like what was the maybe play or two or moment or two or game or two like what were like what was your the highlight of of your time on the field at FSU or just you know maybe a couple right like a couple of things that stand out to you specifically yeah so I think uh two two situations stick out to me on the field one is my first ever tackle and it's against a good friend of mine um we were playing Clemson at home this is my freshman year uh, and they had two really good running backs, James Davis and CJ Spiller. CJ's from Florida. Uh, we recruited him heavily to come to FSU, um, but you know he chose to go to Clemson. And um, you know CJ and I, we were friends in high school. We were um, uh, in the U.S. Army All-American game together, um, and we were roommates during that whole week in San Antonio. And we were very close. And um, at that point, he hadn't decided whether to go to Clemson or Florida State. But uh, so I was trying to recruit him all week. And, uh, but we remained very tight. He's a very Christian and spiritual guy. So we bonded in our faith. And, uh, you know, I came in for a snap, I think in the second quarter or so, and we're playing jet robber, which is pretty much our, like, you know, baseline defense, uh, where sometimes I have to come down in the box to strong safety. And um, I had to fill the B gap. My responsibility was that. CJ got to the B gap, but then decided to bounce out a little bit because it closed on him. And then I had to sort of you know, be the force player uh, and make sure that, um, you know, he didn't bounce outside because he's very fast, right? Get outside is a problem. And I remember just being able to shoot low, tackle him for a one-yard loss and hearing the public address announcer uh, say, tackle on the play, Myron roll, just in the lights, in the stadium, 
first time ever as a college athlete, I was like, I'm here, you know? And I remember my boy, Tony Carter, who plays uh, cornerback, he looked at me like, hey, man, line up, man, get ready for the next play. I'm like, oh, man, I was in a, fo- a fog, man. I was like, I wasn't even focused, man. Um, so that was crazy. And I think the second situation or second game that really stood out to me was uh, University of Miami. Played uh, my junior season down in University of Miami. We're beating them up. Christian Ponder, Greg Carr, giving them work. Um, Anton Smith doing well. TC, Tony Carter had a pick. I had like three or four pass breakups like nine tackles, really a solid game. But I think that game, I was able to be sort of an all-around player, just showcase my skills uh, in the passing game and also in the run support. Uh, we ended up beating Miami. Uh, my, my family, I have a lot of Bahamian family down in Miami. So it was fun to see my boys before the game, my family before the game. And, um, you know, Samari lives in Miami from Miami. So it was just like, it was like coming home and being able to, you know, display my talent um, down there and probably one of my most complete games I've ever played. Uh, it was a lot of fun and we won. So that made it even better. Yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about this off air, but um, you said you do kind of keep up with and, and follow Florida state still. Um, I don't want to ask your thoughts on, on Thursday. Uh, I'm sorry, on Saturday's game, but what are your thoughts on just, you know, transitioning coaches? I mean, you, you played for, you know, somebody that many people probably consider, I mean, everybody on this show is going to say he's the greatest coach of all time. Right. So um, what are your thoughts on FSU transitioning coaches? I mean, are you, are you familiar at all with Norvell? What is your kind of like outlook again? Just let's pretend that Saturday night didn't happen, but what's your outlook for this team going forward? We're all trying to pretend that, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, so coach Norvell coming from Memphis, um, you know, obviously they had a great team there and I, I think the higher, was something initially that I know a lot of alum, um, former players, uh, and I w- would, would talk about. And, um, you know, and I think initially our idea was that we were going to go after a huge name, right? Somebody who can make a huge splash, like a Bob Stoops or something like that, right? Really high profile, just kind of bring the name recognition and the name cachet uh, to develop some, some buzz around, um, uh, around the university and our program that had for, for some time been, um, you know, unfortunately underachieving. Uh, but when he got the, the call and he made and the hire was made uh, for Coach Norvell, we had to sort of look into his, his career, what he's done. His teams have always been solid. They've been hard nosed. Uh, they've been, um, you know, well coached, uh, very disciplined. And um, they've been overachievers, in my opinion. You know, you're, you're recruiting at Memphis where you have the big juggernaut of University of Tennessee right there in Knoxville. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a major, you know, power five sort of uh, situation that you're in. Uh, you might not be getting the five-star tier talent of South Florida, Central Florida, North Florida, or even just the Southeast region in general, but you're getting players who fit your system and uh, meet a certain personality and meet a certain skill set that can work uh, in your program. So, uh, you know, after we learned more about him and gave some more time to sort of digest the hire, we were very excited about it. Uh, Obviously some things happened in the off season with some of the players and him, uh, you know, maybe not being on the same page and sort of growing pains in communication and social media error. Um, but I think in general, you know, our, our outlook on his tenure uh, remains uh, positive uh, that he can, you know, develop these players, keep them disciplined, keep them focused, uh, get them on the same page and really make the product on the field what it should be. I remember when I was getting recruited, Warwick Dunn called me and said, Myron, it's about the product on the field. You know, all the glitz and glam, all, all the garnet and gold, all the pride, the tradition, all that stuff. You know, we built that, but that, that has nothing to do with you right now, right? You're, you're stepping into something that um, was made before you. 
And now it's your opportunity to put the product on the field to keep it going. And once these players and coaches recognize that, which I think they do, uh, that, you know, they have responsibility to just ball out for the name uh, in front of their jersey, the name in the back of their jersey. Um, I think it's um, I, I think we can we can do some things. Obviously, our recent game wasn't um, exempt, uh, exemplary ex- uh, experience and, and uh, output, but uh, it's a long season and, uh, you know, he's just getting started. So to evaluate him on one game um, where maybe we underachieved a little bit, um, you know, I think is unfair. Uh, but in my opinion and the opinion of a lot of my brothers, we have uh, we have a positive outlook. We feel that he's going to do well. Uh, and we feel that these guys uh, are going to buy in and eventually turn a corner, shake off the rust, and um, and and put a good product on the field. Yeah, you. Uh, I mean, yeah, he he inherited a situation unlike anybody else ever has inheriting, you know, a top 20, 15, 15, 20 program of all time during a global pandemic. <laughs> you know, coming off of you know a, a broken bull streak and everything else. So yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely got his work cut out for him so yeah now i'm not nobody's here ready we're all a little depressed right now but nobody's here ready to jump off the ship you know after after week one i've got one more then i'll pass the mic off to to freddie or richie or something but you talked about um keeping in contact with with some of your boys and former players and stuff like that Uh, who do you i mean you have to list everybody but like do you guys have like a group chat of like guys that played like 10 12 15 years ago like are there a bunch of guys in there or there you know just a few of you or what's that how's that work like you know, you guys yeah. stay pretty close. Yeah, we do. We stay pretty tight. And, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a brotherhood. Uh, you know, I have currently have a group chat going with um, Brian McFadden, Travis Johnson, Greg Jones. Uh, those guys played a little before me, but we got to know each other through training together in Orlando, Florida at, um, at a place called uh, Wild Water Sports at Disney. Uh, under a guy named Tom Shaw, a speed performance Tom coach. Shaw, okay. Yeah, yeah, Freddie, you know T. Shaw. Yeah. So you know, we all we all sort of you know did that and and got close there. Um, we've had off uh, off season sort of Zoom meetings where all of us get on from Ernie Sims to Crow Marty to Jameis to you know even the the, the real young guys like um, you know PJ. Uh, you know, we it, it's it's about forming and creating and consistently being for each other. Uh, and that bond is real. Um, you know, you won't experience anything like a locker room again, in my opinion, even in neurosurgery, I have colleagues that are on the same intellectual frequency and wavelength. And we obviously share the bond of loving the central nervous system, but the conversations, the camaraderie, uh, the fellowship is, is just not the same as it is in a locker room. And so you see a brother who played Florida State, just like Freddie and I, right? I, I've, I haven't sat down and spoke with Freddie you know, for a 30 minute conversation, you know, uh, I had, I didn't play with him. We weren't in the same era, you know, like a lot of these things are different, but nevertheless, I come on here and I, and he asked me to be on his podcast and I say, absolutely without question, without hesitation. And it's not because, um, you know, I'm trying to gain something from him or trying to gain something for me. It's a mutual respect that, that we share through that lineage of playing at Florida state, anything he asked me, boom, I got you. Or if he said, Hey, my, I got a kid who's interested in health and they want to be a doctor, would you mind talking to him or her uh, and, 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 you know, spending some time? No problem. No question. And again, it's not because we have spent, you know, weekends hanging out together doing all these things. It's literally uh, an unwritten and sort of fraternal bond that, uh, that exists between players. And I love it. It's, it's unlike anything else. I know you hear it often, but maybe you don't, you know, 
um, uh, you know, really feel it and, and, and capture it through, you know, a story like that. It's, it's, it's amazing. And I, it can never be duplicated, frankly, not even the NFL, because you have so much revolving door in the NFL. It's like one day you're on a team, the next day a guy gets cut, they're bringing in six guys to replace him and it keeps going and going, but college and playing at FSU and being with guys who are like-minded, who are, who are focused, who went through that same experience you did, it's unmatched. Yeah, I think that's so cool. And I think that fans fans hear that and probably have heard like much smaller heard that like not explained so much, right? Like they just kind of hear like, oh yeah, yeah, we're brothers forever, you know, like whatever. And then it, it moves on. But like really hearing how detailed that is, like hearing some of those names, hearing like your relationship with Freddie, even though again you guys didn't play, like that to me, that is so, so cool. And I think fans will really appreciate hearing that as well. Because, I mean, we, we're all just, I mean, we're fanatics, right? Like, that's literally what the word fan is, you know? And so, um, yeah, we you guys are our heroes. And so we want to hear that. We want to hear that you guys are like, I mean, we want to hear that you guys all throw the pads back on and go play on some Saturday. You know, like, that's what we want to hear. But, yeah, no, that's super dope. So, all right, I'll shut up and let somebody else say something here. Yeah, so Myron, we were we were talking off air a little bit. I know your brother McKinley. He and I worked together with uh, the Scout Network for a few years, uh, uh, covering you actually when you were playing at Florida State. Um, and we got your thoughts on Coach Norvell and the program right now. But McKinley, he's currently the head coach at Dwyer High School in Jupiter. Um, they've had a lot of really good players come out of there. Nick O'Leary, if the Florida State fans know Matt Elam, who you know obviously he went to UF, but he was a really good player out of that school. So uh, your brother's there now. What were his thoughts when he first met Coach Norvell, as well as his entire staff of assistants? He was he was very pleased uh, when Coach Norvell came down to Palm Beach County. You know, my brother was like, "Man, this guy is legit, Myron." You know, I, I like him. I had a very solid conversation with him. I think he's um, interactive. He's you know uh, engaging. He sort of gets on your level. You know, he's not trying to be disconnected. I think they're really trying to develop some roots down there in South Florida. As you know, the talent in that area is amazing. I mean, Palm Beach, West Palm Beach, Broward County, obviously Dade. There's a lot of great players, a lot of great athletes who, you know, for the past couple of years have been looking elsewhere than staying in the state or, you know, maybe going to that other school with orange and blue. I I don't need to call their name. Uh, But so it's just it's it's um, he feels very strongly that Coach Novell is is having a particular interest in high school coaches and allowing them to sort of voice uh, their opinions and uh, promote players who may fit the program. Coach Dugans has come down uh, to uh, Dwyer and and seen the boys and and saw them work out and and met some of the players. And Coach Dug was my coach or on the coaching staff when I was at Florida State and obviously played at FSU. So he's got a long history there. So I think FSU is 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 um, trying to plant some seeds in that area. Uh, and Coach Novell uh, has got a, a very welcomed reception. And my brother feels just like many other Palm Beach County coaches uh, that they're going to do well in recruiting that area. I got a um, question. This is a story we used to always hear. I don't know how true it is. We would They would tell us about a story about you during summer workouts. I don't know how true it is. You know, a lot of guys, they got this crazy misconception about smart guys being so and oh, let, let me let, let me let me talk right there, Freddie. That it is true. It is true. true. But, but, keep, but keep going, keep going, keep going, bro. Keep so going. Keep we, were going. Going through, we were going through workouts one day, and one of the guys we had a smart guy on the team, and they kept bothering him. Pretty pretty stocky guy. He was a walk on, and they told us about your story. And everybody, like, man, that's not. There's no way that's true. So I guess a guy during workouts of practice, I don't know which one it was. Um, they tried Myron. And they thought because he was smart, it was gonna be. They thought it was gonna be sweet. They thought it was gonna be a sweet lick. 
So they said Myron put the pause on them, like really put the pause on them. I've I've been wanting to hear this for a minute from you. I'm like, man, I got to hear this from him himself. They say Myron messed them up. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true, Freddie. It's true, man. Yeah, they uh they tried me, bro. They tried me. You know, they thought <laughs> they thought I was they thought I was smart. Thought I was a nerd. You know, coming from out of state. You know, some of the boys were like, man, we don't we don't really respect players who don't come from the region. And I was like, all right, you know, let's let's see what time it is. So they put this dude on me and say, hey, man, um, you know, what, what can y'all do? Let's let's see let's see if you're really uh, as tough as as people say you are, or you know, can can really meet the metal of uh, what we expect down here as far as toughness in Florida State. And uh, yeah, man, I gave him some work, two pieces. But you know what? The thing was, the thing was that fight was one where I was prepared, Freddie. I mean, I I was watching uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, Muhammad Ali, Roy Jones Jr. I was watching all their clips on YouTube and was shadow boxing in my house. Like, man, I said, one of these boys try me, it's over, man. And, (laughs) and, and that was it. I really beat him up bad. And uh, from that day forward, Coaches, players. I remember Coach Andrews, Mickey Andrews, called me and said, uh, "God damn it, Myron! Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know that you could, you could throw hands like that." I was like, "Hey, Coach, y'all thought I ain't have it, man. Y'all thought I wasn't here, man. So I can study and I can knock you out too at the same time." So uh, yeah, no, it's a true story, Freddie. It's true. I, I did put my paws on him and, and, and it went well. Yeah, that was an excellent. <laughs> that was an excellent imitation of Mickey Andrews too. Oh, it was perfect. What was it like playing for those guys? I mean, we, we, you know, we just watched Bowden from a distance, but what was coach Bowden like, man? Yeah. Coach Bowden was uh he was like a grandfather figure. I mean, he was so um, he was a stalwart. He was just like there rock steady. And you know, that he was not going to be uh, moved by, you know, any distractions or moved by, you know, any sort of, um, you know, superfluous, um, you know, you know, uh, frills, basically. He was just, he was there for you as a player there for you as a man, uh, as a human, you know, developing yourself uh, in your faith and developing yourself as just a, a future father, a future leader um, beyond just the, the, the field. And I mean, the stories he will give us from Paul Bear Bryant, his time in Alabama, the stories he will give us about former players. He always has something that he could link to a past experience. You know, nothing was ever new to him. And I, I, obviously that comes with age and wisdom and seeing a lot of things, but, you know, if there was a situation at practice or on the field, he would say, you know, this was like something that happened in 1974. And we're like, coach, man, none of us were alive then, but, but it was great to hear him sort of make those connections and say, look, don't worry. Don't get scared. Don't fret because I've been here before. I've seen how this plays out. We're going to be better on the other side of it. And having a coach who has that sort of confidence in himself, in his, his program, in us as players uh, meant a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So Double Fries No Saw is the name of the podcast. Um, we mentioned it and you're kind of watching us earlier. Um, did you ever have Guthrie's while you were there in town? I know that's not the most healthy thing to ask. A, that good old that good old gut Guthrie. box. That good old gut yeah, box. Yeah, there we go. Come on, yeah. man. That good old <laughs> gut, gut box. box fan. Yeah. <laughs> we, I'll send you a shirt. We've got a, the logo. The logo and the name is the coolest thing about the podcast. I mean, it's cool talking to NFL players and neurosurgeons and stuff too. But the <laughs> Double Fries No Saw is like the best part. Um Good. I'm just glad you had had it. We talked with somebody the other day and they said they never had it when they were in school. Um, yeah, oh, nah, Charlie Ward. Had, yeah. Charlie Ward told us he'd never had it. I'm like, come on, man. What's yeah. Now you, you got, you got to have that good old gut box. I mean, there's parts of Tallahassee that, I mean, just can't be duplicated, man. I'm talking about, you know, DJ Demp. I'm talking about, you know, the moon, you know, on Saturdays, I'm talking about the gut box you, you mentioned Waffle House, um, you know, all these different uh, experiences, you know, going to fam, 
you know, trying to go over to FAMU on Fridays when they had their set, when all the Greek organizations came out and act like you were a FAMU student so you can talk to all the girls over there. I mean, <laughs> some of the things that, that, that happened uh, in Tallahassee, again, these are things that we talk about uh, in our group chats with some of the older boys and just sort of reminisce about and uh, it, 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 it was, it's never the same. I mean, I walk into Harvard and I'm like, man, this is not FAMU, this is not Tallahassee, this is something totally different. But at the same time, I think the being developed there and uh, finding my purpose in Tallahassee and, and uh, meeting some wonderful friends who uh, will be my lifetime brothers, guys who are in my, in my wedding. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's amazing. So yeah, it was great. Um, do you, uh, do you, who, do you keep up much with the NFL? Um, just with all the other players, like, do you have an NFL team or is it kind of tough? Cause you've got so many buddies that, and stuff that play or where do you kind of find yourself lying there? Yeah, so actually, uh, this is probably something I should have mentioned to y'all as well. Uh, I just signed on to be a medical and, and uh, sports correspondent for MSC Sports Boston. So I'll be covering the Patriots games uh, every Sunday. I uh, did my first one today. Uh, obviously, being in Boston, you know, very close with the Kraft family. The Krafts actually are on the board of my hospital. And um, I know Jonathan Kraft pretty well. Josh Kraft, he runs uh, the Boys and Girls Club in Boston. I've done some community outreach stuff with him. And then Jason and Devin McCourty are very close to me. Jason McCourty and I play together with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Brandon Copeland is another player on the team, Matt Slater. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, cross link between myself and the Patriots just by proximity, but also just by, you know, my, my past experiences. I like to see the Titans do well, you know, having drafted me and give me an opportunity to play the Steelers as well also. But then seeing my boys go out and do their thing. You know, obviously any team Jameis is on, I'm going to cheer for. Any team that Florida State's represented, I'm going to cheer go. for. You know, I like so, it. <laughs> so we do it. We do it, man. We got to do it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've lived in Byron. Tampa. Yeah. Unfortunately, I've lived in Tampa my, I've lived in Tampa my whole life. And when we drafted Jameis, it was like the best day of my life. And then I jumped ship, bro. I was, I'm all saints right now. So very good. My, my whole family hates me. Richie hates me. It's, it's great. Yeah. I hate TJ, but man, I guess the Patriots, they didn't miss out on uh, my guy Tom Brady too much today, though. Cam looks pretty good out there today. Cam looked good, man. Cam, whoa, Cam. We, you know, <laughs> that's my boy, man. He got to do it. I told, I said, I told Jason, J-Mac, I said, Jason, man, I said, when Cam gets in town, let's take him out to eat, man. Let's show him what Boston's about. And he said, man, it's a pandemic. I said, you're right, you're right, you're right. Let's let him focus. Let's have him focus, get his get his outfit, his pregame outfit right. He looked good today. He looked real dapper. You know, and he, um, you know, he picked up and – you know, he doesn't have a lot of great receivers to work with, you know, or a known receivers to work with, uh, but he's making it happen. And I'm, I'm happy for him. I just, I want to see him succeed. And another thing I like to say too, is that I saw this stat today, which I thought was remarkable, especially in the setting of social injustice and trying to provide some racial equity. There were, I think 10 black starting quarterbacks in week one uh, this, this year in the NFL. Uh, that's unprecedented. I think that's the most, if I'm not mistaken, the most ever. And um, I think if you think about where we've come from players who were athletic, who were talented quarterbacks being shifted and moved to, you know, one of those skill positions based on the fact that maybe they just didn't fit the right look of a quarterback, mm -hmm. those six foot six guys extend the pocket like statues. Um, that, that, that means a lot. That's progress for sure. Long way to go still, but um, you know, we're, we're getting there. The next thing I like to see is owners and front per front office personnel coaches be more representative of, the actual players, the 70% of players who are black in the NFL. Yeah, I'm hoping Jameis gets a starting spot by at some point during the season. We can increase that number up a little bit, too, because I'm all team Jameis on that, too. But um, Richie probably wants to see that, too. Um, 
just because Richie will cheer for him to throw interceptions. I'm, I'm, he's a, ter- I'm he's a so, terrible so, fan. So my uh, no, so so the, the NFL. There's two days that are always interesting in my family. My wife is from New Orleans, so she's a huge Drew Brees and Saints fan. Um, so we watched the game today. Obviously, she she's the happy person, and she has been the past several years. But um, one more quick question back to Cam Myron. How happy are you that he left that school in Gainesville and went to Auburn so we can actually feel good about cheering for that guy? <laughs> Very happy, man. Very happy. You know, I'm I'm all for Cam. I think Cam, yeah. uh, you know, he gets a, he gets, you know, a, a bad rap sometimes. Um, I think that he, you know, gets a, a lot of brunt of um, of displeasure that goes beyond just his play. It's sort of his whole personality, his whole being, his whole identity. You know, if Cam is is upset about a game, uh, he's frustrated. It's oh, he's got a bad attitude. You know, he's sulking. But if you know Tom Brady, you know, throws his helmet down or yells at a coach, it's he's got passion. Look at the leadership that he's got. It's it's sort of always been looked at sort of differently for the gentleman. So I'm 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 happy that he's in a structured environment in, uh, and with Bill Belichick up in the Patriots. I think he can do great things there. As some from the reports uh, from my you know uh, from you know the players I know in the locker room. He is buying in and he's all about the team. He took a, a little bit of money just to, to come to New England. So, you know, you know, he really wants to play and he's on his sort of redemption quest and his redemption journey. And uh, it's going to be uh, Deion Sanders told me one time when I was in a Dallas airport, random story. I was in a Dallas airport and he told me, he, you know, we dapped each other up again, brotherhood. And, and I just obviously love prime. He goes, Myron, he's like, you, what you don't want to see is a man who's been backed against a corner and has got no way out. Basically, that person will fight and they'll fight to get their way out of that corner beyond measure, beyond what you thought they were capable of doing. I think Cam has been pushed into a corner where he's like, I'll take a little bit of money. I'll be forgotten about. Y'all don't have to talk about me, but I'm here to grind and show you what I can do and allow my talent to be displayed. And the fact that he wore the orange and blue for Auburn more so than for (laughs) UF is helpful for sure for someone like myself. Yeah, man. That burnt, and, burnt orange and blue is a lot better. Go ahead. So I uh, actually have two sisters in Charlotte and my uh, nephew, he's a senior high school quarterback. He's probably going to look at group of five right now. Um, but I know uh, he's been growing up in, in the Charlotte area while Cam Newton was the, the face of the Panthers. And I know him and my brother-in-law, they can't say enough good about how involved Cam was with the youth of the Charlotte area and, and everything he did for the community because they don't really report that for, for whatever reason. But I know for a fact that he's extremely involved and my nephew and all his friends, you know, they all had Cam Newton jerseys. They're huge fans just because he, he was such a great uh, face of that franchise for, for as long as he was there. So it was unfortunate to see how he kind of got pushed out, but I, I do think, you know, the Patriots, I, they're, so, they're a team to keep an eye on. I, I'll be excited to watch him this season there. Well, they still have the Dolphins and Jets in their division. Yeah. So, I mean, they're still going to win the division, right? Like, I mean, the Jets today. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, anyway. All right, Myron. Well, we appreciate you hanging out, man. I know that we've we've been on here with, with you for a little while now. And thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for all you do, um, you know, to give back and, you know, really just – I mean, you know, there's a lot of great football players that have come through. And I know you get told this a lot, but there's a lot of great football players that have come through and – and really made a big difference um, at Florida State. But we really look at you and we really believe that you are one of the ones, not that there's not a, a bunch of them, you know, with Dunn and Brooks and Warwick and all them, but you're one of the ones that are truly changing the world. And it, it makes us proud as, as FSU fans and supporters and stuff like that. And so we uh, we couldn't appreciate you more. So I appreciate you so much for your time. And 
send Freddie your uh, address and stuff. We'll send you a double fries shirt too. You can rep Guthrie's up in rep rep it all up in uh, up in Boston. People are like, what in the world is this guy doing? I know they like their coleslaw there. Yeah, yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Well, thanks guys for having me, man. This is awesome. And uh, Freddie, appreciate you, brother. Thanks for having me on too, man. Thank you guys. Er, take care. Appreciate it, Myron. Myron roll. Good stuff, man. That was, uh, yeah. man, I, Freddie, I, I hope, um, hopefully these guys in this NFL have that same attitude that Myron has once right. the off season comes around too. that whole, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm jumping on, but all these guys in the NFL you played with. So I feel like I feel pretty good about this, you know, hopefully you didn't piss anybody off. That was on the, uh, 13, 14, 15 teams. <laughs> um, Freddie, you, you never gave anybody that Myron two piece, right? you know i'm quiet so a lot of people when you when you quiet a lot of people be kind of scared to try it they be trying to yeah, i ain't really had that issue <laughs> um myron was awesome really good yeah. interview he really hit on a lot of things i'm excited i don't um i'm i'm just busy i mean i know we're all busy but i don't really listen to a lot of podcasts just because i feel like i'm on too many and we do too many but i'm i'm excited to go back and listen to that tomorrow morning on my way to work like myron was really really good and I mean, it was so good that I want to hear it again. It's it's tough to listen so so intently when you know you're running it and you you want things to go well and you're trying to coordinate questions in the on the back end. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to listen back. Um, man, we had a rough day on Saturday on the field. We had a good day on Saturday in our Discord. Um, we had like 50, 100 people in there. Chat was hopping and jumping. Um, you know, I know the game didn't go the way we wanted, but that was really a lot of fun. We we had we had talked a lot about how we were going to do a um, like a game day chat for the Patreons. We made it free for everybody, and we had a bunch of people jump in there and really enjoy it. We had some people that um, well, we made it free for the first one. We, we are going to put it behind the Patreon wall so we can really be in depth with the, the people that are supporting. But we had people, a couple of people, go sign up after sitting in there and chatting all day and, and said, "We really appreciate you doing this," and so. We're going to go sign up so we can be part of it again. So go to patreon.com slash double fries pod and sign up. We also did a really, really quick, uh, well, maybe it was 30 minutes reaction podcast right through the discord app. So all you had to do was click the button and we were chatting in there all day and then you click one button in there and you could, we did kind of a very somber reaction show. If um, I mean, it was free. So if, if you were a part of that, I mean, we really kind of went in to our thoughts on it. I mean, we'll talk a little bit, um, you know, about this later. Uh, but we really kind of went heavy there. And so sign up for our Patreon and, and hit the discord because it was really a good time on Saturday. Um, if you're watching this on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, wherever, um, click share, click retweet, click like tag a friend in it, put it in a group. Um, man, we have come out. <laughs> we had a guest that was scheduled last week that, um, I moved to this week and I forgot about like another FSU legend that I completely forgot about. And he was texting me today. He was like, Hey man, we're so good for tonight. And I was like, Oh, we actually bumped you for a road scholar. I just told him to we'll move him to next week. But like, we have come out of the gate swinging with Cromartie and Ward and uh, Myron roll and who else? Demarcus Walker and just all kind of guys. The fullback episode was super dope. So um, appreciate those that, that have supported us. Um, and if you have a little bit of money, go to patreon.com slash double fries pod and, and put some down so we can hang out every weekend. We will be doing the game day chat most weeks. Um, I'm sorry, all weeks. I will probably even jump in there and talk crap about Miami on Saturday night. I would think if they go on the road and lose to Louisville, 
Uh, but we'll do the certainly the reaction show after every uh, game as well, which I thought that went really, really well. So um, all that said, I guess we can – I don't want to – I mean, I'm good with whatever you guys want to do. We'll have two weeks to kind of break down, analyze this game, and look forward to the next one. I don't think we have to spend a ton of, ton of time talking about Georgia Tech, but we can kind of talk about the game a little bit here uh, as much as you guys want in depth or not in depth and, and go from there. But, again, take it away, Richie. Yeah, man, and uh, and we kind of said from uh, episode one that we're not going to do deep dives into like box scores and advanced metrics and stuff like that. We'll look at them and, and use them when the you know that's valid. But after one week, it, none of those numbers really matter at all. Um, but I'm just curious: did you guys feel any different today when you woke up, um, or do you feel different now than you did 24 hours ago when we last spoke? I don't know. I feel annoyed, right? I think that. Uh... I've I've tweeted this today, but I think as you get older and I don't know that I've matured much, but I definitely am just busier. So I feel like I've matured and have kids. And then you go through two seasons, like two, three seasons, like we've had, like, I just feel like all the emotion is kind of beat out of me. Like I don't really get upset after losses. Uh, I'm sure that if we go on a couple runs like Freddie's years where we go 13, 14 and 0, I'll start getting emotional when we lose again, but all the emotions kind of gone. I'm just kind of annoyed. I think that, um, I think that, you know, I think that I'm annoyed at a few things. One of them probably just being our expectations being, you know, high that things were going to turn around as quickly as they should have in a, or we thought they would in, in a global pandemic when, you know, you've had no spring, you've had a shortened off season and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm annoyed. I'm frustrated. I still think we should have won yesterday. I mean, if we don't cough up a fumble late, if, if we, you know, or just a little sharper. I said this, if, if Terry catches that pass in the first half and is streaking down the sideline, I mean, we go up 17, nothing. I think the game's kind of over then. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed by it. Um, I didn't really go back and watch it yet, but I think that we really could have gotten beat by even more if, if they didn't have a couple of red zone turnovers and field goal blocks. So we just weren't even close on Saturday. Um, we had our chances, but I didn't, you know, we weren't close. And so we're going to have to regroup and, see if we can find a way to get to, I mean, we need to get to six wins and I think below 500 is kind of a bad thing. So anyway, those are, those were probably my thoughts yesterday with less alcohol today. Yeah. I think um this game kind of reminds me of the North Carolina game. We had a few years ago at home and they beat us with that late field goal. Guys going to come back in and watch film and just see how close they were to making these plays. And I know we get tired of repeating this, but they're getting, I think on the officer side, we were put in a position to make plays. We just got to execute and we need better QB play. This offense, we can be successful with it, but going forward, we just got to, if, if um, Blackman isn't the guy, we got to try out one of these younger guys because at this point, what's, what do we get out of playing with an older guy? We got to start molding these younger guys into these roles. And if, if they're not the guy, then oh well. Because we know what Blackman brings to the table. And if he would have stepped up in this game, it would have looked a lot different. I don't want to put everything on him, but this is what it is. It's big, it's big boy football. Guys could have helped him out, and we could have helped him out on defense. But we got we to gotta rise to the challenge. Only thing I can take away from that game as a major positive is, boy, we special teams. Let's go. <laughs> hey. They weren't lying when they said they were putting emphasis on special teams. We look great on special teams. 
Yeah, man. And I think, you know, we touched on it last night a little bit, but it, the same thing with, I think for me, the most frustrating part of the game was how good James Blackman looked in those first, you know, what we know are the scripted plays, right? That they, they rep in practice constantly. He knows what order he knows what play is going to be next. He looked comfortable when he was pressured and he didn't have anything. He threw the ball away, you know, his first two, two and a half drives that if we got that James Blackman for the whole game, we would have won. Uh, but we did see him revert back. Yeah, we, we see him revert <laughs> back a little bit. You know, he, he throws the one bad interception, and the second one was was really bad, and you know, missed some guys. And, and TJ, you hit on it, Terry. It's not all in Blackman. Terry dropped, you know, a seventy five yard touchdown. So it's, I guess, the biggest thing for me, and, and I'm trying to be as positive as I can because I do think that we looked better coached. We looked more organized. You know, we saw a lot of the things we wanted to see. Um, but defense wasn't great. Uh, I expected to see a defensive or a dominant defensive line. And I didn't see that, but when they got in the red zone, they were really good. You know, they, I know they gave up a, a, about 500 yards or so, but still to hold up to 16 points only, you know, that's really good for a defense in a, their first game in a brand new scheme against, you know, a power five opponent and, and Georgia tech. I get it. I don't think we know what Georgia tech is this year either though. So that's, we talk about week one overreactions, right? So we don't know what Georgia Tech is or what they're going to be. We know they were really bad last year, um, but we'll see. Maybe they they take that step in year two, and maybe they're a little ahead of schedule with uh, Collins than we thought. Um, I, I don't feel great about the season because uh, I thought this was one of the easiest teams to beat on the schedule. But at the same time, I did see a lot of good things. Freddie, you, you mentioned special teams was outstanding. Take away the three blocked kicks. I thought the coverage... Everybody, they, they were in their lanes. They knew they, where they were going. Uh, the pursuit was really good. They just looked like they had practiced it. And we know last year they didn't have a special team coordinator. So, I, you know, trying to think about it. And, again, we don't play next week, thankfully. So we have plenty of time to, to really figure out what we're looking at. And then we go right into Miami. And they played Louisville this week. Uh, you know, maybe we'll, we'll hop in the Discord chat for that, TJ and Freddie. Um, you know, talk to Miami-Louisville because that's who we got to play next. And, I'll, I'll just say this. Uh, I think Jeff Sims looks pretty good, man. I think he's going to be a problem in, in two or three years. Uh, luckily, we don't have to play Georgia Tech that often because I think that that kid, that kid can play at a high level in the college game, and I was happy to see him play well. Unfortunately, he's part of the reason we lost, but it was good to see him go out and play as well as he did. Yeah, I, um, I'm kind of with you too. Like, right, I thought this was one of the easy ones. I mean, I'll tell you this. I said every game on the schedule was losable, um before we kicked off besides the jacksonville state now i thought most games on the schedule were winnable too right minus clemson notre dame um i still think that every game on the schedule minus clemson notre dame is winnable like florida state could win any game but i'm just telling you georgia tech was the again unless they just made a huge jump which i i don't really necessarily think is is going to be the case i think that georgia tech is still the second worst team we play this year besides jacksonville state and so we've got to improve to not go one and 10, right? We, we just do. Um, if, if we put that effort out um, against any other ACC team that we play, I, I don't think they will win. The defense, I think, needs to improve as well. Um, I know they got the two picks. Those were really, really bad passes by Sims, like, and, and they were driving on us, right? Like, it wasn't like we got those to start a drive. I mean, those took points off the board. If, if he doesn't throw those, you know, they either get touchdowns or field goal attempts that probably get blocked because we were so good there. But yeah, I mean, those were not like, oh man, those are amazing play. I mean, those are just bad, bad, true freshman passes by Sims. 
And so I think the defense leaves a little to be desired as well. I mean, we only gave up 16 points, but we had seven points blocked, right, by the special teams. And then, you know, they were down inside the red zone again twice, you know, so that's anywhere from three to 14 more points that we could have given up. And we really probably should have been on the hook for 24, 28, 31 points, somewhere in that range, if not for, you know, those big, big plays, but those big, big plays did happen. And, and you, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the defense because at the end of the day, they did hold them to 16 points, but I think even that's a little bit misleading. Um, the offense and defense definitely have to improve. I think that's one of the worst offenses we're going to play this year too. So it's going to get harder for the defense too. Um, you know, it'll be very, very interesting to see what uh, Louisville and Miami look like. Uh, a lot of Miami fans and people that I follow are saying that Miami just didn't show anything. They didn't uh, put anything on tape for the um, UAB game. I don't know that I believe that. I, I thought that the uh, the run pass option play if you weren't putting anything on tape, that run pass option play is not something you'd have pulled out against UAB when you were already up two scores. Um, I think you'd have tried to save that. Louisville's a, a one-point favorite. Um, the ESPN adjusted their percentage. It was 82% for Louisville to win. Now it's down to 76.7. So giving a, Miami a little bit better credit there. But uh, 17 versus 18 matchup early in the year. I mean, the game will be huge for both teams. And I, I think that, yeah, we should, if we can, I mean, 7.30, if we can jump in the Discord to chat with folks about that, maybe we'll leave that free again one more time since it's not FSU. Um, that would be good. But I'm hoping that, you know, Louisville comes out and just smacks him in the mouth and beats them down and makes me feel better about that game because right now I don't feel great about that game. You guys both pick that as wins. Um, I would assume that maybe that is flipped, but, you know, we all had eight and three. What's your record look like for the rest of the year now, guys? Ooh, dang. I guess we got to ask that question again after we play them because <laughs> right now it ain't looking good. But, yeah, you um, I don't want to rush the judgment. They, they got two weeks to get prepared for this game. We'll see what adjustments they make. And it's a robbery game. You you never know what can happen in a robbery game. We may see a completely different team. So we'll see what team shows up. Yeah, I, and I'm, I'm doing my best not to be a victim of week one overreactions, right? You know what? Iowa State came in top 25. Matt Campbell, a guy a lot of Florida State fans had as the, you know, outside of Bob Stoops as their number one choice to take over for us. And they come out and lose um, to a team they had no business losing to. We saw that throughout the country. You know, there's been a lot of weird outcomes. I do think year one coaches are at a really big disadvantage. They didn't have a spring. You don't have a summer where the players can do seven on sevens with what they learned in the spring. So you're kind of rushed out to all of this out of nowhere. Uh, it's tough to tell. And I'm, I'm not sold on Miami. Their defense is going to be really good. They'll, they'll probably be a top 10 defense with the amount of teams playing this year. But that offense, I mean, it was all Derek King just kind of running around and emphasis or running around and, you know, just kind of making things happen with his legs. His throwing numbers weren't great. Um, but he's, he's a guy that, you know, we kind of saw that with Jeff Sims a little bit this weekend where, you know, he, couldn't really figure out where to throw the ball. So he just took off running and it worked out for him. So we had to clean that up. Um, but yeah, like, like TJ said, every game's winnable, every game's losable. It, we're not beating Clemson. Um, I still disagree with you a little bit on Notre Dame. I, I thought Duke played them really well. I'm not sure how good Duke will be this year. Uh, I don't have that as an auto loss. It, it, it's a likely loss, but it's all going to be about how the team responds. Cause if they do lose to Miami, 
they're going to be zero and two after three weeks. You know, at, at that point, it's it's going to be the frustration. This is the danger part because this program, you know, it, it's full of players that are used to losing now, and when things go south, you know, they're they're like, oh, oh well, but here we go again. You know, Florida State led for what fifty minutes yesterday, and the second things went south, we we kind of saw that again. So it's the culture mentality when they have a game where they turn it around and they do pull it out, they make a play and pull it out. I, I think they start to believe. So this season, they could win three games, they could win seven. I don't know, but but we'll find out together. Yeah, the um, the ESPN, and I hate to keep bringing that up or the adjustment or ESPN adjusted that down as well to Florida State with a 56% chance to win, Miami with 44. Um, Even so after still giving this us, weekend. Yeah. yeah, so still giving us the the, the favorite there, um, according to ESPN's FPI. Now, I will say that if, if Miami comes out and, and beats Louisville pretty good, I would think that that yeah, jumps sure. back their way to, to probably 60%, right, 60-40. But it seems like ESPN's still buying in, so I, I don't – you know, again, don't want to over overreact week one. I think that if we do react to it, I kind of chop the schedule up like this. I mean, we can disagree on Notre Dame. That's totally fine. But the way I see it is Clemson, Notre Dame are losses. Um, you know, Jacksonville State's still an absolute win. Um, yeah. And then you've got half of the schedule is this. I've got um, NC State, Virginia, Duke as games Florida state should probably still win. And so there's four wins there um, with Jacksonville state. And then I've got, if we play like we did yesterday, UNC Louisville, Pittsburgh and North Carolina as I'm sorry, North Carolina, Louisville, Pittsburgh and Miami as losses. Right. And so then you're, you're looking at, you're looking at four and seven. So I think we need to find a way to make two of those losses between UNC Miami, Louisville and Pitt we need to turn those two and two of those into wins. And uh, it probably just starts next week for all the reasons that Richie just said so much confidence we would get after breaking Miami streak of three straight wins and probably beating a ranked team, right? Miami, even if they lose to Louisville will probably remain ranked because there's no big 10 or, um, you know, PAC 12 teams in there. Right. So everybody's ranking is kind of inflated right now, unless you're, you know, a top five team or whatever, but um you know, so I, I think that that would be huge for the team to rebound. And then, you know, if you if you beat Miami again, we've talked about this. Miami is probably the third most talented team we're going to play this year um, as far as a pure talent on the roster standpoint goes. So if you win that, you can you can beat anybody again, maybe with the exception of those big two. So. Um, any other thoughts on on Georgia Tech season outlook? I know this is kind of depressing, but any other thoughts on on the game or. Anything else with that or no? Not really. I mean, it, I guess the way I'm looking at things right now, a few weeks ago, we didn't know if we'd even have football. So, yeah, yesterday's outcome sucks. Again, it's just one game. If we had opened with a cupcake and won and lost to Georgia Tech the next week, you know, people would still be upset. It's it's just the placement of the game. It is what it is. But, again, I, I, I need to see a spread. I need to see more of Miami because I don't know. I, I still think they're definitely beatable. But if you do go out and beat Miami in two weeks – most people are going to kind of forget about this Georgia Tech game because, okay, it's first game. We had weird things happening. Um, we had a lot of injuries that had positions we could not afford them. Um, still had a chance to win the game late. And then you go out and beat Miami. Well, then you got kind of got a chance to to go from there and, and build on that. So it, the season's not lost yet. 
it sucks losing the four straight openers in a row, and it doesn't help when you have Notre Dame, LSU, LSU, the next three openers. But at the same time, that season, is, again, it's one game. You know, let's let's not try to eat anybody yet, except, you know, including Blackman. You know, obviously he didn't look good for the majority of the game. But let's give him a few games in Norville's system and see what happens. Because I'm still personally excited. I know a lot of Florida State fans and a lot of friends I know, you know, they, they've kind of checked out already after yesterday. But I know I'm still excited about the season and, and to see what could happen. I, I want to see some growth. Yeah, and I think um, another thing that people should realize is a lot of these young guys, they're going to get opportunities going into this Miami game. They, they got a lot of opportunities on defense. And it's hard to just throw them in there and start his first week when they haven't played games. We we all know guys that play well and practice, but get in the games and they kind of freeze up in the moment. But some of these guys showed up. I like I like what um, Dix displayed. He looked good out there to me. I think he's a, a he'll be a star in our defense. So going forward, I I would love to see him in the game playing guys like that that bring energy. Um, nothing against the other guys, but just a young, speaking on the younger guys, we'll see more guys getting opportunities after showcasing what they can do in the game. And this next week of game planning, it'll be major. So going into this next game, be, don't be surprised heading to Miami if we see the depth chart shaking up a little bit. Yeah, no, and like you said, I agree with Richie there. If um, I mean, if I had told you at the very beginning or if I had told you even three days ago, hey, we can we can lose to Georgia Tech and beat Miami or, or, or beat Georgia Tech and lose to Miami. And we all would have taken beating Miami as, as much as it sucks to lose your opener. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, what I said, what I said the other day was we need to see a little, we need to see progress from Norvell from week to week. Right. It doesn't have to be anything massive. Florida state did look more competent than, um, you know, yesterday than, than they did at all last year or the year before. Uh, we had 11 guys on the field every play. Everybody was lined up looking the right way. There weren't a lot of procedural penalties. I mean, there were a couple that you're going to get just in any game. You know, like that's not just gone from Florida State now that, that you know, we've moved on to a new coach. But I think there were things and, and reasons for optimism. Obviously, you want to win the game. You want to make mistakes and learn through them while you're winning. But, you know, we didn't. And so it's it's move on to Miami. Um, Speaking of a team that did win, we talked about this a little bit with Myron Roll. Uh, my Saints won today, Richie. We won't. We don't have to rehash that. Um, but I will say, I, I don't think Breeze looked really good either. But Brady, um, you could tell it was a new offense. Brady, Brady does a good job of getting rid of the ball faster. But he, you know, on those third and longs, which is a lot of times the Bucks because they don't have a super super solid running game. When the Bucks do get into third and long, I mean, you've got to hold on to the ball longer, right? Like there's no getting the ball out quick because you need guys to get eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 yards downfield to, to be able to pass it. And that takes three to four seconds. And that's kind of where Brady had to throw the ball away a few times and had to kind of ground stuff or get it out of bounds or, or just kind of move. That's where I think that, you know, the Bucks are a little bit limited, but I think the saints just played a really, really clean game. Um, the Bucks played a really, really just terrible game. You know, Brady made mistakes. Evans made mistakes. The defense made stupid mistakes. The special teams wasn't good. Um, but I think the Bucks will put it together too. I mean, just saying that. I still think the Saints win the division just be, from the continuity standpoint, but I think the Bucks still get to nine, 10, 11 wins. Um, Richie, any thoughts there? Yeah, man, I, I, it went about as you kind of would expect it. You know, Tampa Bay, they have all these new pieces that you have a new quarterback with a new head coach. They're trying to essentially combine their offenses together because let's, let's not pretend Byron Leffridge is the offensive coordinator. This is the Bruce Arians, uh, Tom Brady show. 
Um, some unfortunate things, you know, that blocked field goal that the defender just walked right through it. He didn't block it, it hit his face mask. Like that one had no chance. Um, I thought Brady was okay. You know, you could tell uh, there were some, you know, like the Mike Evans interception where Evans kind of stops the route. And we, we all kind of, again, I still like Jameis. We've seen all that with Jameis the past few years and it didn't stop today with Tom Brady, how we kind of thought it would, where every receiver is not going to just be perfect just because it's Tom Brady. Um, but you know, if that, obviously we have the 15 yard penalty and they're kicking off from the 50 and that, that was just, the, the team looked lost on that play where the, the saints get the ball right back. They pooch it up to about the 20, uh, the bucks, one player tries to catch it, runs into another one and the game's over at that point, but you're playing one of the top five, uh, Vegas favorites to win the super bowl in their stadium on the first week of the season. I'm not mad about the loss. You know, we'll see it. It'll be an interesting stretch. Uh, again, it's week one. We, we don't want to overreact to anything. We saw a lot of weird results in the NFL this weekend, but I'm, I'm happy with the Bucks. You know, we'll, we'll see it. Give me to the playoffs. We haven't been there in a long time. They play the Panthers next week, who are also coming off of a late loss to the Raiders, yeah. um, which that was a, a, a great game. I had it on red zone, which is like the best thing about Sundays to yes. me. I mean, minus like – you know, your team playing. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how the Bucks look against a, a team that they are more talented than, right? Or yeah. that that isn't like I mean the they Saints have, the Saints, yeah. yeah, the Saints' core has been together forever. So I thought this was the second toughest game on the Bucks schedule. Um, I didn't think the Bucks would win. I think they had their chances, but they just made a billion mistakes. Um, but uh I mean, they should win Sunday. And if they lose to the Panthers, then I think it's kind of time to say like, okay, you know, what's going on here? Obviously some irony in the fact that Brady threw um, two picks, one of them going for six the other way. Um, You know, whatever. I mean, obviously that's just, you know, par for the course in Tampa at this point, but, um, but yeah, I think they'll rebound and get better. Yeah. And uh, I still have like 10 or 11 wins for the Bucks this year. Um, but I, they're, the Bucks just still, to me, aren't a great organization and, and dumb organizations do dumb things like that. And so you're going to have games where even if Brady hadn't thrown the pick six, the Bucks probably lose today by 10 ish or maybe just seven or, or whatever. Um, because of the stupid things that the Bucks did, you know, like the stupid pass interferences, the, the face mask that led to the pooch kick and, you know, everything else. So, you know, bad organizations make plays like that. And so you certainly can't do it against, you know, the second toughest team that you play all year, the best team in your division, maybe conference. And then, you know, we'll see if they can avoid those types of mistakes, um, you know, for the rest of the year and against the teams that they are better than. So, um other than that, I don't. I don't have too much more. Do, do you guys have anything else tonight? We've been on for about an hour and a half. I, I think I'm good. Anything on Georgia Tech? The NFL coming back? Miami in two weeks? I think we're pretty set. Myron roll. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll have uh, next week will be fun. You know, obviously uh, we'll, we're going to skip the Thursday show this week since we do not have a game. Um, but next week we'll be back uh, Sunday to. It'll be, we'll probably recap some college football and some NFL uh, on what happened and get into Miami a little bit. And then uh, next Thursday, I guess, TJ, we and Fred, we got to figure out our, what we're going to do. Potentially uh, have some of the guys from Storm Surge on here and a little back and forth. Uh, 
and it'll be a lot of fun. You know, the, the next next game we play is a rivalry. And, you know, what happened yesterday doesn't really matter as far as that game to go. Remember, Georgia Tech, they were worse last year and they beat Miami. Uh, so the, Miami, I, I, I don't want to see any of this defeatist things going on. Um, saying, oh, we have no chance against Miami. No, Miami, they're not. They are the same program they've been for the past 15, 17 years. Uh, they are a team we can be, and we'll get into that next week. Yeah, they, they don't really worry me too much. I mean, we'll see kind of what Miami is able to do, but uh, they don't, they're not a team that I'm like, oh God, you know, we have no chance against Miami. I feel better if, if we had won yesterday. Yeah, for sure. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, you know, like we have to come out and, and we'd have to come out and play anyway. I'm not picking Miami at this point, but I'm sure I'll be a homer and, and take us when we get a little closer. So um, I'll pick you guys have any shot? <laughs> yeah, probably not. Hope the spread comes out like Miami plus 10. I'll take that. Uh, or, yeah. I mean, sorry, Florida State plus 10. So um, you guys have any shout outs or anything before we get out of here? Uh, no, just shout out my buddy Kyle. He uh, leaves for the leaves for Navy boot camp tomorrow morning. So, well, he's got to do a 14 day quarantine and then he's uh, going to boot camp, going into special warfare, uh, leaves tomorrow morning. So, shout out Kyle, man. Uh, you know, go, go do your thing. And uh, he's got a lovely uh, girl and a beautiful young child. And I know he's excited and his family is. And just best of luck to you, man. Appreciate your service, man. And I'm glad I'm not the one going to. Uh to boot camp this week. Although Freddie and me have been in boot camp. Freddie, how many are you down now? Hey man, we ain't got no scale out here. They they tripping on me. But um <laughs> <laughs> I see you on the water. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm feeling good. I can see it in the mirror. That's the biggest thing. It's it's more so about the look for me. So I know it's working. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Well dope. We'll be here again Unless something crazy happens, no no show this week until um, next Sunday. Um, hopefully, knock on wood, nothing crazy happens to where we have to get on here. But no preview <laughs> show because we've got nothing to preview. We'll definitely do something with the Storm Surge guys next week. Um, hopefully, Thursday works for them. I mean, we just have to kind of check schedules, but we can be yeah. flexible if needed. And then, uh, like I said, we'll be back on Sunday. Uh, if you can, like, share, retweet, post this. We're going to send the – I mean – uh, a couple thousand people listen to it on iTunes every week. If you'll just tweet out that link, you can do it from the iTunes app. Um, click the little three dots and hit tweet and, and tweet it to your, uh, to your page, share it on Facebook. Um, you know, give us a follow on Instagram, double fries pod. I think we're going to be doing a, another giveaway on Instagram this week. So we got tagged in the, um, the girl that won the junk man, Doug stuff, the vintage stuff. She tagged us over the weekend. They, she wore her stuff to, uh, somewhere in Tallahassee. I, it looked like college town to me, but I have no idea. So, um, so good stuff. Appreciate everybody's support. Um, appreciate the guys that helped this help make this happen behind the scenes, Brian Harlan and Ed. Uh, I work with some of the best team around with, with you five guys and a six in, in total. So uh, appreciate you guys. Um, One more Richie, thing. TJ. One more thing real quick. I, I forgot. I can't believe I forgot to bring this up. Do you know who is, and we'll go through our over-unders on the next podcast, but guess who is six in the nation hunting yards per average right now? <laughs> oh, we didn't go over our uh, over-unders. And I don't, yeah, I don't do have him. We'll do it the next one. But get, guess he's number six in the country right now at 48.3 yards a kick. 
43.3. So he went over. I yeah, lost that he, one. He went Shoot. over on that one. And his long was 50. So he was consistent. I, I thought, man, my, my Aussie can boot it. So I, I, that's a positive that we'll leave you with today. We have a All punter, of our guys. positives are special teams, man. <laughs> Blocks and, and punting, bro. All right. Oh, yeah. Richie, take us out of here with a song. Land down under or something. What you got? <laughs> oh, am I up today? Yeah. Oh, I don't like man. any notice on this. No, you don't. Let me think here. Um, give me a, just because it came on. We were at a cookout at my buddy Cody's house on the way home. Uh, it's a short one to get everyone out of here. Give me Old Town Road. I like that one. All right. We're out of here. Yeah, I'm going to take my horse through the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. I'm going to take my horse through the old town road. I'm going to ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back. Horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black. Got the bushes black to match. Riding on a horse. Ha, you can whip your Porsche. I've been in the valley. You ain't been up off that porch now. Sports car. Got no stress. I've been through all.